0: All right, next storyteller. This next storyteller. Your
1: next storyteller. next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Hello, and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme.
0: Your next storyteller is Adam Burke. Adam is a stand up comedian from Chicago by way of Australia and Ireland. He shared this story during a special edition of The Narrators at High Plains Comedy Festival last September. The theme of the
1: show was bomb. Thank you guys so much. One more time for your host. This is great. Um, How to make an Irish car bomb. (laughs) Open parentheses, the drink. Close parentheses. Irish car bomb, if you don't know, is a cocktail. You take a shot glass, half Jameson, half Bailey's. You drop it into a pint of Guinness and you down it before the Baileys curdles. It's called the Irish car bomb after the fact that in the 70s, 80s, paramilitaries used to blow each other up in cars. And it remained, And it's the reason they took that name is that both the drink and the act are both atrocities. Only one of them still keeps happening <laughs> at frat parties. Um... Don't get like uh, an Irish car bomb is a way to get into a frat. It was the same way in Ireland, but it was a different fraternity. It was a bit more serious. Um, <laughs> the Irish car bomb was invented, of course, in America in 1979 by a guy called Charles Cronin Burke Oates, which doesn't sound like a guy, it sounds like a weird 1980s supergroup with Ray Charles, and John Oates, and two random Irish fuckers. He invented this, uh, this drink at his bar in Connecticut. Uh, of course, this is a Connecticut invention, because inventing a drink called the Irish Car Bomb is the most classic, passive-aggressive <gasps> New England racism that I've ever heard of. Oh, I had no idea. Uh, and he invented it at the height of the Troubles. Uh, I know the Troubles sounds like what like a polite Catholic woman might call menopause, but uh, the Troubles was actually the sectarian violence that happened in Northern Ireland between Protestants and Catholics uh, when I was growing up there. Fun, fun fact. My first exposure to the Irish car bomb, the drink... Was in America, 1999. I just moved in, moved here. I'd uh, fall in love with an American woman uh, who I'd go on to marry and then divorce, cause romance. Anyway, <laughs> I showed up and she invited me. Uh, she uh, introduced me to all her friends and uh, all her friends. Uh, one of whom, like, still fancied her and kind of hated me. Uh, <laughs> They were aghast at the fact that I drank Budweiser at the time. They were just like, why would you drink Budweiser? So they ordered me an Irish car bomb, and I had no idea that this was a thing. And I was just, like, giddy with the offensiveness of it all. It was just <laughs> amazing. Like, oh, you don't drink Irish car bombs? No, I'm also shit at poetry. <laughs> Irish people <laughs> do different things at different times. <laughs> and it is funny. Now, um... The, the inventor of the drink, the inventor of the drink, uh, Oat, who now runs a bartending school, which is hilarious. The inventor of the Irish car bomb runs a bartending school. Presumably, Harvey Weinstein is going to open up an etiquette school sometime, <laughs> sometime in the future. He invented this in 1979 when the troubles were very much going on. So when it was like at the height, it was as offensive as it could be. That's like now me inventing a cocktail where you just watch an ice cube slowly melt in hot vodka and call that the Greta Thunberg. You know what I mean? It would just be... By the way, there's a very funny Denver comedian. I saw him last night. Matt Kobos. Does anyone know Matt Kobos? Very funny guy. And he had a bit last night, he was talking about how offensive the Irish car bomb drink is, and he likened that like if you had a drink called the 9 11, and then he like, summed up what would be in a 9 11. It's a very funny bit. My only problem with it is his recipe for 9 11 is way too complicated. Clearly, to make a 9 11, all you do is you take a glass of Saudi Arabian piss and you pour it into another glass that's just bourbon and vermouth, right? <laughs> because it's not a 9-11 until you ruin a perfectly good Manhattan. Oh. Um, oh. <laughs> oh. So I had, to explain, I had to explain to these Americans, I had to explain to these Americans like how offensive uh, an Irish car bomb was. And they're like, okay, fine. I'll just order a black and tan. Um, Now, some of you, most of you probably don't know this. Now, black and tan is which is half stout and half red ale. But black and tan is also the name. Of an incredibly notorious british regiment that was made up of all criminals who murdered hundreds and thousands of catholics in the 1920s so it's like somehow their remedy was more offensive than the first one it's like going to an african-american bar and ordering a round of police for everyone you know what i mean it's like not gonna be well received and I sort of I and that, the other thing with the the awful thing, you know the other thing about the Irish car bomb it's not just you know the offensiveness it's just ruining three drinks, <laughs> like you could have had Bailey's you could have had Jameson you could have had Guinness you just fucked them all up by bringing them together, uh, and so and the because my dad was a huge Guinness drinker my my dad would have hated the Irish car my dad would order a pint of Guinness, and uh, he, someone would put it in front of him, a bartender would put it, but my dad would go hey man. By any chance, you couldn't sneak a little shot of whiskey in there, could you? And the guy, the bartender, very conspiratorially would go, I could, yeah. And then my dad would go, Well, that means it's not fucking full then, is it? Go fucking back. <laughs> <laughs> Just drink the fucking Guinness, is my point. But I, I get the ability like, I, I the this. I understand people don't know about it. Like, like, when I first moved here uh, to America, and I would tell people that I was from Northern Ireland, everyone would say oh, so you must be Protestant. It's like, no, I was raised Catholic. We have both, hence the slight 300-year disagreement. <laughs> but even I, I was raised Catholic in Northern Ireland. I wasn't always aware that we lived in an occupied sectarian war zone, you know, because my parents were really good at distracting us. Like, I tell my mom, like, hey, Ma, how come so many of our friends have ski masks when there isn't a single mountain or bunny slope anywhere. And my mom would be like, Um, why don't you ask that question to this Jabba the Hut toy we bought you? Yay! My dad was even better, he wouldn't even acknowledge the existence of Protestants. You know, like every Sunday we'd walk past the church, we walk to church, and we'd walk past a Protestant church, and to me it was just a church that was closer to our house. And I was a lazy little fucker, and I'd go, Why can't we go there? Let's go to that one. And my dad was like, well, that church isn't um, up to code. They've got a faulty (laughs) altar, the font is full of tadpoles, the (laughs) Eucharist is made of spider eggs. And then one time my younger brother was like, yeah, but dad, what's a Protestant? My dad was like, "Um, I'll answer that as soon as you finish playing with Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon. (laughs) We're like, yay, he's our favorite rebel commando. And our next-door neighbor's like, what about me? I'm an actual rebel commando. <laughs> Fuck, we're moving to London. <laughs> <coughs> and we would. We'd move around a lot, you know, because of the violence and stuff. But, uh, and so that's why I wound up with this really dumb fucking accent that I have. And I'm very self-conscious about my accent. But it doesn't hold a candle to how weird my sister's accent was. My my sister shares her bio with me up until a point. We were both born in Australia, moved to Northern Ireland. When she was 20, my sister moved back to Australia because she had a breakup that was so bad. And the guy was such an asshole, she moved to Australia. (laughs) Do you know how bad... Like, I know some of you think you've had bad breakups. I know some of you (laughs) moved here from Ohio because things went south with that drummer from Cleveland. Do you know how bad... (laughs) A breakup has to be for you to put an equator and nine time zones in between someone else. So my sister moved to Australia with a Northern Irish accent. She added the Australian accent on top of it. So she ended up sounding bananas. Because the Australian accent, yeah, the Australian accent, the inflection always goes up at the end. It always sounds like they're asking a question. It's called the universal interrogative, which makes weddings there an absolute nightmare because the groom is always like, oh, I do... Um, and she added that on top of the Northern Irish accent. Which Northern Irish is very like this. The Northern Irish were like, I'll put a mural on the side of your house with paint that I stole from your garage. Like the Northern Irish accent very much sounds like someone refusing to answer a question. It's very I have no recollection, officer. I've never seen that man before in my life. So between the Australian accent and the Northern Irish accent, whenever my sister spoke, it just sounded like an interrogation that was going nowhere. <laughs> she always been like, oh, maybe we like, will go to the pub. Or maybe we won't go to the pub. That's none of your fucking business. <laughs> Which is a terrible example, because she was half Irish, half Australian. Of course she was going to the pub. Um, and I'll leave you here with this. I wanted to close it. Because, by the way, they ordered me this... Uh, this Irish car bomb, and I drank it, because fuck them, you know? Uh, and I, w- I was going to close tonight by drinking another one, but they d- thank fuck the bartender here doesn't, doesn't have the ingredients. So instead, uh, I got a Boilermaker. Um, and in honor of uh, how offensive the Irish car bomb is, um, I'm going to say that it's called a Boilermaker, because America no longer makes boilers. Your, your manufacturing base has collapsed very much like this beer is about to on the floor uh and that'll do it for me everybody oh shit Cheers.
0: keep it going for adam burke yeah. the narrators is produced by me ron doyle sydney crane and erin rollman with help from karen wattell jesse whitten and scott carney I want to say thanks to all of our sponsors, Bumboard Theater Company, Illegal Pete's, From That Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whale Hawk, and we'd also like to thank Tanks, who provided the outro music you're listening to right now. There's a link to their music in the show notes for this episode. Okay, so I know storytelling is a really trendy buzzword these days, but the narrators has been sharing stories since 2010 because we believe it's really important for people like you People like us to put down our phones, clear our minds, and just listen to one another. But there are only so many seats available at Bumport every month, and Bumport is only in Denver, which means this podcast is the only way we can share stories with more people. We need your help to do that. Please, take a moment and subscribe and tell a friend about the story you heard today. Narrators is available wherever you get your podcasts, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, thenarrators.org. And truly, thank you for listening. (laughs)